Welcome to Something a Little Different. For this episode, we grabbed some of our friends from the incredibly popular Speaking in Tech podcast, and we decided to reminisce about 2017's happenings and ruminate on what we think 2018 has in store for technologists in big data and beyond. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you like big data and you like to learn. We do too. And that's why we've partnered with O'Reilly Media as a community partner for their incredible strata data and artificial intelligence conferences taking place around the world. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for your chance to win a pass to strata data in San Jose and for a special discount available to our listeners who want to attend these great conferences. And now, you're listening to The Big Data Beard. What's up, Pete? <laughs> Who's Pete? Hi. Peter Smallbone. <laughs> he's, he's our UK contingent. Yeah. This is like a proper bar. People just kind of show up. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of stagger in and out. You know, I'm going to go grab a, a drink real quick. Yeah. Yay, Pete. Hello. Sorry I'm late. I was, um, there was a bit of, um, obviously everyone out there in podcast land thinks we just have everything set all the time. It's just dazzling technique 24-7. But I didn't actually know <laughs> we were recording a podcast right now. <laughs> so I've just, I was, I was literally in bed and uh, I was just about to go to bed and I started I'm um, getting some pings off Melissa and I was like, we're doing a podcast. All oh, right, okay. So uh, here I am. Hello. So so Peter, is this basically then like a podcast nightcap for you? Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, speaking in tech nights. You know, like Baywatch, Baywatch nights. It's like speaking in tech nights. Oh, or is this like the uh, the late night section on HBO Go? Um, I don't Whoa, know. I don't easy. Know this is a family program. There's too much of an Americanism. I don't know what that means. <laughs> How is HBO Go an Americanism? Well, I know what HBO is. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. What's HBO Go? It's just the app. Oh, the streaming version. Yeah. So, that's okay. No. We have Sky like, no, that's now. We have Sky Atlantic over here. That's what what's the equivalent. Or, or I guess it's about to be Disney Atlantic. Uh, uh, possibly, yes. You might, you may well be right. So, what are we all talking about anyway? You're talking about flying places, from what I could just make out when I joined. Yeah, we're just starting off uh, what's going on in uh, 2018 for everybody. We we basically figured out that, uh, you know, Josh is going to need to get on my level when it comes to Delta if he wants to get an upgrade. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and that and that I really just don't want to travel as much because I want to stay home, play video games, and drink whiskey. So, yeah. yeah. An admirable <laughs> career choice. Yeah, artificial intelligence indeed. So we've uh, so the the big data beard boys and girls uh, have uh, our big 2018 thing is we're we got picked up as a partner for uh, O'Reilly Media, and so we're going to be having a presence at all the Strata Data and the AI, the artificial intelligence conferences they do, and the open source conferences this year. So pretty excited to go hang out and talk with smart people at those conferences. Should be pretty interesting. Wow! Well, congratulations. Yeah, they got a couple of them in London, so maybe uh, maybe we'll cross paths in person and do this thing live sometime. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Um, when, are, when are the London ones? Come on, get your plugs in. Oh, for sure. Hang on. Let's see. Uh, London ones. I can't remember when these things are. Hang on. Which is a terrible... Uh, London, the first one is the... I think it's the AI conference in London. Is it? No, it's October. That's not right. Uh, there's uh, the end of... Oh, yeah, May. that's right. So Strata is May 20... 
second or something like that. I think it's that that week. It sounds about right. And then, yeah. And then they've got the AI conference in October. So is 2018 going to be the year of AI? Man, I I thought it was going to be the year of VDI. Yeah, or that's that's kind of what I'm leading <laughs> to. Like, I just feel like every year is going to be like the year yeah, of AI, just like every year is a year of VDI, and probably for similar reasons. Yeah, I, yeah, we had this conversation a handful of times with some folks, and I, you know, I think the my favorite thing I've heard somebody say about AI, like most realistic, was this dude uh, Andrew Ning. Probably know the the guy that does all those Coursera machine learning classes. He's like a Stanford prof. He did. He was a co-founder of Coursera. Anyways, the dude said kind of mid last year, he's like, you know, when asked about, you know, what is, should we be thinking, how should we be thinking about AI in the near term? And he's like, really in the near term, it's probably more like automation on steroids and less like Skynet. Yeah. I was like, no, that's, that's probably fair. Well, you know, I, I look at, I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine. He's a doctorate in physics. And so he's, and he's also a developer and programmer. And so he, he's actually getting into AI and machine learning techniques with some of the work that he's doing. And I told him, I said, you know, when it comes to machine learning and AI, I'm, I'm sitting back and like, I, I know we're making progress, but I'm I'm pretty confident that we're still a long way off from some real meaningful things. And I know this because I just started doing like home automation, you know, smart home stuff with lights and um, cameras and all of this. And, you know, things like Alexa are, you still have to be very, very specific about the input that you provide to Alexa. Like she doesn't do context super well. And it's that ability to learn like people's speech patterns and their context and being able to understand their intent based on that context that I think, you know, from seeing at the consumer level, of course, you know, has a lot to, to go with, but you know, what my count, my argument with him on that was, is that AI and machine learning are only going to be as good as the input you can give those environments. Like Watson's great. Watson can only do based on what data and information it has and all yeah. of these constru- constructs are the exact same way from from my layman's perspective yeah there was actually a group of us um so for our for our work uh within our dell big data practice there was kyle myself and another guy brett uh we actually went to a class with this company called uh, data robot which is a machine learning automation platform but it was interesting because basically their their tool and the, to the point of like machine learning is only as good as the data you give it it was crazy because this tool, like they, they brag about the great value prop of their tool is like, hey, you can apply hundreds of different machine learning algorithms with the click of a button. We use machine learning to, com- to make the machine learning algorithms compete with each other so that you can build predictive models faster. But the, cra- but the crazy thing that we didn't even go into was like the fact that in order to get started with it, you had to have a perfectly formatted table. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, dude, this is... <laughs> Like, how is this freaking big data? That's unrealistic right there. It was was wild. Yeah, and it was like, like, wait a second. I thought thought this was like, I thought we're talking big data here, bro. And it like, literally, you have to have this, like, they don't even talk about data wrangling, any of that stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, you just use trifecta and it's done. It's like, no, that's not not even close. But anyway, it it was one of those where I, I agree with you that the input side of these things is still so hard. Like what you put into it is so hard. Like once you actually get everything formatted nicely, there's tools which, that can which, help, but it's just yeah, which still is a long way the to specific go. use case driven models like you know fraud or 
financial services or something else. That's why they're it's so applicable in those places because the data is already clean. It's a single use case kind of thing. I'm not trying to make it work outside of his box. So, yeah, there's yeah. specific outcomes there. <clears throat> yeah, it's anyways. It's, I think it's I think you're going to see where I, my personal opinion is. I think the the strongest place you'll see machine learning and artificial intelligence have an impact is when software organizations that already have a focus on some sort of data analytics sort of bent, when they figure out a way to use those underlying algorithms without any real input from the user, but just like kind of bake it in under the covers in their software. I think that's the first viable place we'll see it. Like we saw Splunk made a bunch of announcements how they're baking in a bunch of machine learning into their like their threat met, you know, their their threat detection software from a enterprise security perspective. Like that makes sense. But like just some random company, just random ass use case trying to make machine learning AI work feels like it's still a long way. Well, it's like I was just looking at the uh there's a AI conference in Seattle on the seventeenth. And the, the the speakers, the featured speakers for that that particular conference, I mean, it's all it's Microsoft, it's Amazon, it's Uber, it's Google, you know, it's strangely Pinterest, which I thought was an interesting choice. <clears throat> but it's, uh, I mean, it's it's all the people we would think they're, you know, in the, the different ways they're trying just to, I think, Corey, to your point, here's technology for technology's sake, and let's go find a, they're looking for the nail still, right? Well, that's, I mean, we talked with, we talked with Alan Gates, the, he's one of the founders of Hortonworks, right? Early days, big data dude. And he was like, yeah, we were just building some tech that solved the problem we had. We had no idea if anybody else was having this problem. Yeah. Well, so my, my favorite part of the conversation I, I had with my former neighbor there was he he's teaching this class on it. And he said the, the most fun thing is you got all these younger people coming in and they're like, oh, this is an amazing thing that we've discovered. And it's all machine learning or whatever. He's like, yeah, the mathematics that are the back end of that is just applying Python to 400-year-old mathematics. So, you, you know, you don't have anything new. It's just you have faster computers and access to more data that can actually give you an output. So um, that is 100% true. Go you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. A, I was we we had a we have a guy on our, one of our teams that's uh, he, he was a a physics dude background and he's like yeah you know kind of came from the HPC land in the you know the 80s. And he's like, dude, we've been doing like the math isn't new. Like it's old math. It's just scale. That's <laughs> the only difference. Uh, you know what? Isn't I will, that the story of just about everything though? Yeah. I, I will be impressed with AI and machine learning when I can go to Amazon and say to Amazon, Amazon, what does my wife really <laughs> want for her birthday? <laughs> oh. Actually, I don't think you oh. like the answer. Just oh, and <laughs> a cool boy yeah. yes hey you know what that, that gets to my point right? she can put stuff on her wish list but that's not always what she actually wants for her birthday that's just something that she What's... would like to have at some point i got a book for you it's called the five love languages oh no we'll get you up <laughs> i got it i got it and yeah. they actually got it wrong there is a sixth love language and it is whiskey <laughs> Is that a language or just don't mess a with this? I'm with them. <laughs> yeah, whiskey slash wine. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So AI is not a real. We've established that. That's good. Uh, VDI probably going to happen this year. I'm pretty excited about it. Because <laughs> well, so, thank God, thank God, no we finally, thank God, we finally have Flash. Yeah, we're we're going to skip it of straight to the cloud. That's what's going to happen. 
That's weird. The cloud's dead, isn't it? Like, <laughs> we can just skip to the next thing, right? Or the pendulum's already swinging somewhere no, no, else. No, no, no. <laughs> the cloud's in no one talks about cloud anymore. It's all about the edge. Oh, edge. I thought it was serverless. Yeah, that's the that thing as well. Thing. No, no, oh, it, it's it's the internet of trash. I mean, things. Serverless is like Santa Claus, man. <laughs> there are kids out there that believe in it. They don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's honestly, it's like the it's like the cloud vendors were like, you know what? When we told everybody we were gonna we were gonna manage their the servers for them, and the cloud just felt like, oh, it's not even real. It's just up there, just floating. Let's really yeah. F them and call it serverless, and they're actually going to think we don't have any servers. It's going to be brilliant. It's the most, the most marketing marketing terms since somebody came up with zero client. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And there's a client oh, I can God. see it right now. It's on my desk. <laughs> That's the client. Yeah. It's it's clientless. Yeah, it's don't clientless. You mess with that black box. Oh, right like that's consuming power. What I really want is a server that's not clientless network. Yeah, well, my favorite solid. Oh, totally network. There's no server, you, no clients, really nothing. It's just trafficless. It's trafficless. If you Google, if you Google serverless computing, the like all of the news stories that come up, every single one of them has a picture of a server. It's like this is you're missing. Well. Well, we we really jumped the shark when we started talking about no ops, though, because there's only there is only one way to have no ops, and the only way to have no ops is to have no consumers or or no servers, yeah. Which uh, they get to have no of. anything, <laughs> no business, no. <laughs> well, if you don't if you don't have any consumers, you won't buy any hardware, you won't develop any software, and you won't have any need for any ops. So you don't need a twelve-factor app or servers, which is great. Serverless or seven-factor. <laughs> yeah. Oh crap! Here we go. But you know what? It'll be much less energy consumption, so that's good. Yeah. 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 You're you're a green company. <laughs> We're green. We're also broke, yes. but it's fine. Whiskey's good. There's whiskey. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, what else is big this year? Not so serverless. That's great. Uh, no machine ops. learning built in obviously yeah that's a big one. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the the death of docker Dude. oh you think he's gonna go yeah docker's gone still on it oh. yeah docker's gone oh. Oh. but then i have to get rid of the t-shirt no no, no. so sad no, docker, yeah, docker the, the company is going to be gone but you know the whale will somebody will buy it well why do you think that's going to be too quickly? Or is there some of the have you got some of the intel? No, I'm just I'm just convinced. Kubernetes for the win. Well, so uh my buddy you, Chris, you can't live on shirts alone. That's right. right. Uh so my buddy Chris Short actually uh sent a, put a blog post out uh, earlier today and he outlines uh I think it's chrisshort.net but uh or cshort.net. Um but anyway, he he outlines some of his reasonings as well, which I was excited to see. Uh, a lot of it comes down that they've been taking a boatload of money. They're not making a lot of money. They've had challenges with how they continue to grow the business. And from a from a product standpoint, you know, they went all in saying your swarm is the future. And then less than six months later, they're like, you know, we're going Kubernetes, but we're also going swarm. They're both first class citizens. I'm like, uh, you know, I wish you well, because that's going to be expensive. And here's Moby. And then here's, yeah, and here's Moby. And here's Moby. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And and here's here's our partner ecosystem, and and we're going to compete with it, but also you know, uh, 
you know, try to, to foster that growth. Uh, you know, I, I just I don't think Docker as a standalone uh, is going to have the legs it needs to to, you know, hit escape velocity, wow. if you will, and be able to actually persist. I, I, I hear what you're saying. My view, I think, on this is that Docker still does have a lot of the industry behind it. The ecosystem is pretty well developed for a product of that age. I think that I'm, I'm not saying yeah. that it definitely will succeed or definitely won't succeed. I think my view is that to 2018 is probably a bit early to say it's, it's going to fail this year. Don't you think? Um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to fail. I just don't think Docker is going to persist as a company. I think it is going to be acquired. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what they've done is really important for, for the industry because they've, they've created something that's appealing to enterprises to bring in and that's not um, poo poo to uh, you know development groups who are you know always wanting to build it themselves, right? They look at it and they say, oh yeah, now we'll use that. That's fine. It's, it's it'll it'll work. Um, but it's it's not something that I think is going to easily be monetized long term uh, without having it be a something that's part of a bigger picture. So you look at something like Microsoft, where you can incorporate those capabilities into you know the Microsoft ecosystem. That's a big value add. That would be worth a couple of billion dollars but for them. They have na- to... native container supports available now in Windows, isn't it? Has been for a while. They have they they run Docker Engine natively in in Server two thousand sixteen. So that's. Right, and then of course they got Nano Server and and a variety of options. So I don't know, and I I just think it's um, there's no need for Docker to persist at a standalone company at this stage either. Well, there was a there were two or three blog posts to, yet just just today that were commenting on that very topic that Docker was looking like it was either positioning itself or the engineers that work for them were positioning the technology to or the company to be acquired, but the technology to be open source before it got acquired, so they could still go back and use it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look at, you look at all their LinkedIn profile updates. <laughs> you figure out what's going on. <laughs> well, let's, let's cast some aspersions then. If Docker were going to be acquired, who do you think would be in the running? Oh, Microsoft, a hundred percent. You think, what about IBM? IBM? No, not IBM. VMware? I, I, I think, no, I think Oracle, Oracle, you know, they're, they're, they're good at taking something and make you not want to use it again. <laughs> Yeah, Oracle, where products go to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a lot of those. There's, 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 there's HP. There's IBM. Let's, let's, let's throw them all under the bus. You get a company big enough, and and it acquires something cool and small, and it's only a matter. Well, of time. I, I think, I think the way that we should really look at it is, in order for Docker to maintain or grow its value over time, it would have to be acquired by a company that people are not adverse to or adverse to working with. So you look at someone like uh, Oracle, people don't clamor to Oracle, right? Not in a space that when you're, when you're thinking about you know, Docker and containers and, and application development. And, and so, you know, I think that the list of people that they would want to sell to uh, would also be fairly narrow because of that. Right. I think, but you know, I, I, flip side though, man. And I found your boys, uh, Chris Short's blog. It's the third thing that comes up on a Google search for is Docker dead. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> pretty, that's pretty impressive search engine optimization for uh, for something that's been out for a day. Um, but, that's but, machine but, learning. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but the one thing I'll say though is, if you look at the the reasons why 
we've all kind of said it's a dumpster fire. Couldn't you basically say that about every like basics, like tech startup in this, like either in the, you know, the M and O or, you know, kind of space, the abstraction space, or even in the big data space, like you could, you could literally write this and write in, uh, Hortonworks, Cloudera, uh, you know, write in a bunch of them. They've all been darlings. They've all taken on crap tons of money in VC money. Mm -hmm. Very few of them produce a profit. I mean, you think about Splunk is one of those where they've they've been at it and have been growing 50% year over year. They're over a billion dollars in revenue and they're still struggling to make a profit. Yeah. Like, so you look at, I mean, and you, and you look about the, you know, kind of the industry of making tangential kind of recommendations in their tech that you're like, wait, what? They all do it at some level. I think it's, I think the the point that, that Peter made was they've actually created such a community at this point that I don't think it's going anywhere. I think you're right that if your definition of dead is, acquired i'll buy it if it's this thing's not going to persist and it's not going to continue to develop i disagree 100 percent. no I, I i do think it'll persist and continue to develop post 2018 i do not think it will exist as an entity yeah, in, I can, by I'll, the end of 2018 i'll buy that i'm speaking to the new start even better on that one actually and um just to, just to check is anyone still talking about OpenStack, or is that just is is oh yeah i talk really? about it every day there, there are people that do, in in theory, right? No, you're no, not no. talking about cloud. I mean, um, you may as well. Red Hat does. Red Hat does, and they, they're actually pretty successful at it, right? Yeah, NetApp. You know, my my company, we we still do a lot of OpenStack work. You know, we still have a lot of customers running it. Uh, I, you know, what I'd say about OpenStack, though, Peter, really is that its use cases and its applications are continuing to be refined and narrowed because the people who actually want to invest and do it. Uh, I think are you know, getting very targeted and specific about how they want to do it. Okay. Um, it helps to have a company that doesn't grab their VMware admins and say, Hey, you're going to run this OpenStack thing for us now. Yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah so where, where's the professional <laughs> services for this? Um, they live at Red Hat, apparently. Yeah. But I mean, would, would anyone still see it as a VMware killer or in fact, was it ever seen as, Oh, no, 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 it was, no, it was no, always no. intended as an alternative. A anyone that adopted it to try to kill their VMware sprawl actually ended up spending more with VMware and failing at it because they didn't understand what was really required to make OpenStack work. Yeah, wait, or at I'm least gonna... that's what yeah. I've seen with yeah. the customers that I've seen that have done it to, specifically to kill VMware. Yeah, um, it's like, wait, I'm going to deploy this, but I don't have friends would have the resiliency at the infrastructure layer that I was getting or at the hypervisor layer that I was getting with VMware. Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh -uh. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> There's something to be said for deploying something that's just easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's I'm sure my VMware certified friends would kill me for saying so, but well, it has it has, has not always been easy, right? You know, I was I was in on this in the 2.x days and like this stuff was not easy back then. Like it is it has matured over a, and there's a long tail on that on, on that comment, right? Um, it has matured a lot uh, in delivering for providing availability for applications do do not have native availability where OpenStack applications really are successful is where that infrastructure stability is not what is of paramount importance. What's of more paramount is that, you know, understanding that the application has a certain level of high availability as part of it and that the infrastructure is there to serve the application. Virtual and VMware environment is there to serve the VMs. 
right? <laughs> like that is that is what its existence is. You know, I look more at an OpenStack environment as you know, how can we deliver the infrastructure in order for the applications to 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 get out the way that they need to and and to be managed and operated the way that they need to. You know, same with like container orchestrators, right? They're they're much more applica- application application uh, uh, focused for the value that they're providing. Very good. That, <laughs> that, and that, in true Josh not, Atwell fashion, I just killed the conversation. <laughs> well, the other the other part of that though is you know VMware has been hit or miss with what they deliver for self service, right? You look at vCloud Director, or he'll, he'll go back to VMware Lab Manager, and then you get the vCloud Director, uh, and then you get the vRealize Automation. Like they they have not done what I would call hitting a home run uh, with with their you know. You know, evolution of trying to deliver self-service portals and you know, uh, hashtag private cloud. Yeah, but who has? I mean, I honestly, like, I look at all the MNO stacks, and it's like, okay, that's fine if it's for general purpose. But what, what I see a bunch of people struggling with still is like the MNO stacks that actually serve mm, business critical use cases, so like in the big data space. Like, there's all these, you know, like which which one of these MNO stacks do you use to run big clustered computing systems? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because nobody yeah. freaking knows. That's the point. Like, no, like, there's not one to rule them all. Like, there's, there's, there's. Some... But there's somebody out there convinced that they're going to make a billion dollars by creating it. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I yeah. none of them. I mean, each of them come out with something that's kind of interesting. Most of them end up just kind of using some technology as the basis. Like, there's one that I think is cool called Blue Data, but it's all based on Docker. So if Docker goes pear shaped, then Maybe they're in trouble. I don't know. There's uh, there's others that are trying to abstract the resources in a different way than virtualization does for the purpose of clustered computing. I don't. Anyway, so I just think the MNO world. I think the MNO world in general, it's I mean, it's still dominated by VMware wholeheartedly. But I think it's I think it's going to suck outside <laughs> outside of VMware for a while. Uh, you know, hopefully, a few of the players will get real focused on. Well, yeah, I think I think we we keep running into the same pattern, right? We, and we never learn from history. But when you look at how new, uh, seemingly transformative technologies come come you know to light and they show up, you know, it becomes this: oh, this is going to be the most amazing thing. It's going to change the way we do everything, and it's going to do this, and it's going to do that, and it promises to solve all of these major problems that we have with what is the status quo today. And then as people look at it, they realize, oh, there are some really big gaps there. And there are some warts there that, you know, I'm not willing to touch and get near. Um, And so what ends up happening is that all of that momentum, you start seeing people kind of fade off, right? They're just kind of falling off of, you know, um, you know, that was a big snowball effect, right? You just have big clumps continue to fall off. And then before long, you have this nice, densely packed mass of people who are like all in, committed and kind of move it forward. And one of two things happen. They either A, sort a lot of that stuff out. And on the other side of this, you get a technology that really becomes the starts becoming the new status quo. Or B, they run into a tree and it just smashes all over the place and everybody goes find something else to do. Maybe this is the whiskey talking, but I've got to say that the first wart is usually at the end of your own nose. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> with, oh my God, I've got to change something with myself in order to adopt this new transformative technology. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 
that that's certainly super prevalent in the enterprise space. Um, you know, people are very hesitant, but you know, at, at the same time, you know, for instance, you look at put running you know containers in production. Yes, you absolutely can run predate containers in production. You absolutely can run your applications in containers and it and it can deliver all those things that that it promises to do. But you do have this opportunity to run into challenges that there's a lot of companies out there trying to solve around multi-tenancy and security and ensuring, you know, I mean, what we do with data persistence and um, how do you federate environments and ensure you're providing consistent experience, you know, across geographies, across clouds, you know, like that's that's all hard stuff that somebody's going to need to solve in order for people to make that uh, the the new status quo. We've learned a lot from our guests so far, but now it's time to learn a little bit more about them in a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Since we got the speaking and tech team, Melissa, Josh, and Pete, I'm going to ask each of you to respond in that order. So Melissa, Josh, Pete, first question, what year do you think Skynet will go online? 2019. Josh? 2042. Pete? I'm going 2050. 2050. Okay. I think you're all wrong. It's already online, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, what, what's, that's called Trump. Out of the, out of the closet <laughs> online. It's, <laughs> it's, or, it's orange and has tiny hands. It's delightful. Um, it's bigly. It's uh, what, what is the last book you read? Or Actually, let's ask it this way. What's your favorite book you read in 2017? Oh, God. I'm going to turn your podcast explicit if I answer that question. <laughs> The, the, the oh, subtle art of not giving up. Yes, oh. <laughs> I did I it in an audio book, and it was the most awesome experience ever. The guy that reads that book is just oh my god, it's delightful. <laughs> it was delightful, and it made me so happy. <laughs> you only have so many F's to give, kid. Yes, all right, that's right. Gosh, what about you? Choose wisely. Uh, I'll go. I'll go with Artemis. That's the one of the most recent ones, and you know that one. That one's kind of stuck with me. It's been pretty good. That's. That was good. Wait, wait, Artemis. That's in a series. That is a good Yeah. No, Artemis. No, that's uh, no. from the same Andy Weir who did The Martian. It's oh, his oh, second. That's right. Album. That's right. That's right. Pete, what about you? Yeah, good book. Um, I think probably the most entertaining book I read last year was a book called How to Win: Lessons from the Premier League, which was a uh, a book about um, well, as it suggests, from the English Premier League, the soccer league, football league, uh, and how to get how to use the techniques they use in that league to win in life. And it was by the, it was by a secret footballer, so it's a professional footballer um, who wishes to remain anonymous, and he writes these. Was books. was one of those was one of those secrets pass the ball and blame the coach? <laughs> <laughs> it was flop. It was it was lay down and flop. That's what it was. Fall down and sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, Pete. We're gonna switch the order. What uh, genre of music are you currently rocking? Um, I, at the moment, I'm quite big into um, 80s electro pop. All right, sweet. Josh? Uh, so I had been doing a lot of Christmas music, uh, but we have, with New Year's, transitioned to basically club music. So a lot of Flo Rida, whoever that is, oh. and um, uh, Kesha, <laughs> I think, came up recently. And yeah, now my, uh, and a lot of Imagine Dragons. So yeah. I don't know. I feel, it's funny how embarrassed you were by saying that out loud. It was awesome. Uh, Actually, I have no problems with Kesha or Imagine Dragons. I just don't really know who Flo Rida is, but my kids love that My House song. <laughs> now, I sound, now I sound like an old man saying that My House song. Yeah, I'm, we won't judge you. It's fine. Melissa, what are you on? 
Oh God, the, our house is full of tryhard ninja right now, and Five Nights at Freddy's uh, slash Hello Neighbor music. So, are all of those things real? Yes. Yeah, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad someone else said that because I really had no clue. <laughs> I have no I'm idea. Have to, Can I just say that? You have to say. talk to Spotify. I to I, uh, I'm officially old. Excellent. As the resident millennial, I understood all of that. So yeah. <laughs> So I'm the cool one. And I'm the old one, just so we're clear. And I just say, by the way, last month I went, I saw Blondie in concert in Birmingham. They're absolutely oh, brilliant. You were in town. You should have come to, come by to see me. Oh, Yay. wait, you said it wrong. Birmingham. Oh, not nice. Birmingham. All right. Not uh, Birmingham. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus that was horrible all right what's your uh all right melissa what's your heart what is your favorite piece of utterly useless tech oh my god favorite piece of utterly useless tech i'm gonna say my my um amazon look <laughs> you do not have one of those i totally do <laughs> curiosity oh, no. killed me and and i had to give it a try and i gave it a review on a on a former show but it is utterly <laughs> useless like so it, it so provides that, no value so, to me <laughs> so can that thing drop in on you in your closet like while you're dressing because that's a little bit creepy i think it, you know the drop-in feature it probably could if i had it in my actual bedroom so i i'm paranoid i keep it in the guest bedroom and if I want to do something with it, I walk down fully dressed and <laughs> do my thing and then come out of there. <laughs> I don't, oh, no. yeah, I don't okay. keep it in my actual closet or in my actual bedroom. It is in the guest bedroom. All right, good. Okay. Uh, Pete, what's your favorite piece of useless tech? Um, can I go for something that I don't actually own, but one of my colleagues does? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, they're Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> All right. Um, why, why, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. The other day, the wing mirror wasn't working. And the reason it wasn't working is because they needed to wait for a firmware update for the wing mirror. Ooh, oh, that's sad. Just... Josh, like, what about you, bro? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I'd like to pretend that I don't have any useless tech, but I'm looking around my office and I'm thinking, well, I've got that um, – alarm clock that's kind of useless but i don't it's not my favorite so um i so over christmas i actually implemented uh like the philips hue lighting in a lot of different places and kind of integrated it with you know my amazon echo that that might be it because i'm i'm hitting this realization that while it's cool and it has some practicality um it also causes some challenges have you uh, have you heard the so rob hout introduced us to the show as called the expanse uh, i don't know if you've heard of that one mm -hmm. anyways he described it as basically like uh game of thrones in space which we later determined is basically the same thing as star wars but at any rate uh it's integrated with hue so if you like the sci-fi app you can it'll like change the color of your lights as you're watching the show somehow which seems huh. wow completely... that, that does sound quite cool is it quite expensive to hue stuff and, or it, is it, not too and it sounds quite useless yeah, it's totally useless. It's now the hue. I think the problem with the hues, Kyle and I had this conversation earlier today because I just dropped about five hundred dollars on home automation crap today from Amazon as well. Uh, I didn't go hue though because I don't. They're they're you have to have their hub right. Uh, so I ended up going with the um, the Sylvania lights that actually work with the the Wink hub. At any rate, we had this conversation that the the hue is it can be a little little pricey. 
Oh, I, I bought everything on clearance or like super yeah. cheap. Yeah. And I, I same here. I you at home and I, I'll tell you, they're awesome. But also at the same time, utterly useless. Because when, when you're not away, when you want to turn lights on and off randomly around some weird schedule, so it's not just on sort of timer kind of thing, that's when the bridge in your house will drop off your Wi-Fi at home. Just yeah. awesome. And therefore, yeah. lights are on the whole time or they're off the whole time. You have no idea. Yeah. Well, so I realized after I had installed all this stuff that I had injected a um, second fault domain into my environment because it used to be the only way I'd have problems with the lights in mass was if the power went out. Now it could be the Hue Bridge or it could be the Wi-Fi network could cause me to not be able to turn on the flipping lights. I'm like, that's bothersome. Yeah, Kyle had this problem where he he has one of those smart locks and the batteries went out and he was... <laughs> he got locked out of his house and couldn't get back in because he didn't have a. Oh, that's key. beautiful! Uh, in my car, in my garage. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. You're fine. Go ahead. Oh no, I uh, I just had to reset all of the light bulbs in my house the other day because the uh, the hub restarted. So I spent my afternoon going through manually unscrewing, rescrewing in, and and resetting all of the light bulbs thanks to home automation. Oh my god, Man, that's really screwed up. <laughs> there's the dad joke man you're welcome man i'm just it must be weird to wear jeans with no belt that's awesome all right what's uh your biggest money pit right now melissa Uh, everybody's tired of hearing about my big money pit right now actually i'll change it up so your house so so it was my house now it's coming back from the vacation we took over christmas to disney and universal florida they took all of your money they they took all of my money with gladness yeah. Ooh, at least yes. they leave you with a smile uh josh what about you bro what's your money pit uh, something else that you enjoy and leaves you with a smile but takes all your money uh, never mind um <laughs> man <laughs> talking about uh, um no, Amazon, my Amazon account. My Amazon account is my money pit right now because it's, you know. Amen, brother. It's... Every Everything is coming from Amazon. I, I just had surgery on my foot and I uh, about a month ago, and I'd be laying in bed and be like, you know what sounds really great right now? Some Cheez-Its, Doritos, and some Coke Zero. So I get on Amazon Prime now, and I've got those things. So, oh, yeah. That's awesome. Pete, what are you spending all your money on right now? Well, I mean, I could talk about my home as well because I've removed house recently. But I suppose the real mid pit at the moment is Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Uh, because, <laughs> oh, it's that time of year. Uh, yeah, because I work for myself. Um, so I only pay income tax twice a year. And this is one of those months. Ooh. So, ooh, it's a, it's, a, it's a nasty one. Well, you should go to the, uh, the Tower of London and go see some of the jewels you're paying for. That'd be <laughs> Uh, all right. So, are you uh, where are you going soon? That is interesting, Josh. Any cool trips? No, no, that's not true. Um, Come on, Delta I, I'm a, give us something. Yeah, I, I I'm heading out to uh, California. That's not a cool trip. Uh, I'll be going to Boulder, Colorado, at the end of the month. That should be cool. Great times, dig Boulder. Yep, I do too. Uh, Pete, going anywhere cool? Well, um, listeners will no doubt be um, attuned to my constant trips to Slovakia for the project I'm working on at the moment. So that's not very interesting to anybody because I talk about that virtually every time I'm on the podcast. So I'm sure I'll be off there again soon. But other than that, um, I think we're probably, probably heading out to Germany again in the summer for a week of slip swimming in Lake Constance, which I love to do with the family. Ooh, that's nice. Melissa, how about you? 
I am headed to Austin, Texas next week, which um, I think is pretty interesting. I kind of like their local scene there, but um, I'll be doing that. Kyle and I have a strong recommendation for you to get a rental car, which you have to have in Austin anyway, drive 85 miles per hour because that's the speed limit, out to Lockhart, Texas, mm. and go and go to Black's Barbecue. I've heard this. And uh, order, at least have one beef product. I don't care if it's the ribs or the brisket. Personally, I'd go with the beef rib, although it's about 20 bucks per rib. Um, I'm going to go ahead and second the beef rib recommendation at that place. I, is this one of these places that, well. that was on Manford? No, no, is it no, one of these no. Places? This is just, this is a traditional Texas barbecue. And and sent, like in all of, Texas is a big place, Um and big let me let me give you alabama's bigger than england yeah uh texas is like seven times the size of either one of them anyways big place central texas best barbecue in the entire state arguably maybe the best barbecue in the world the lockhart has three great barbecue restaurants that you you crutz market smitty's market and blacks and of them i don't know if there's i'd say one is the best of the three but i've most recently been to blacks and it was out of this world like just i'm so hungry already thanks for that so rob as someone who also comes from a city who has a barbecue named after it do you also endorse this yeah i've been to blacks (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah okay i'm in i'm in yeah i was in before honestly because the barbecue sucks in the northwest but i'm in this is gonna make me sound like a real uneducated ludder now but how far is it from colorado because i have some relatives there it's a, it's it's a it's a thousands of miles two hour flight two and a half hour flight yeah it's a longer than you'd want to drive because you'd go through west texas which is basically near absolutely nothing it's basically mars yeah it is it's actually very similar it's mars. yeah <laughs> all right so, so let's talk about what show and it can be obviously cable is not the only thing anymore uh what show are you binging on right now pete uh, well, as if tonight's anything to go by, it is Sons of Anarchy on Netflix. Have you ever watched that? Interesting. That's a real. That's a real treat for a non-American to get a view into America's subculture. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay. I, yeah, really binge it. It's great. Uh, I've just started. I'm, I'm fairly behind, so I'm only on series, season two, but uh, I'm loving it. It's brilliant. Excellent. Well, just so we're clear, everyone who drives a Harley. Uh, pretends they're in that show, uh, even though they're, they're <laughs> Josh, how about you? What are you watching these days? So you actually caught me in a really awkward position. I, I just finished everything that I was watching. Um, I had been watching Mr. Robot getting caught up there. I'd been watching uh, black adder because everybody told me that I needed to. Is it good? Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, Black Adder's good. Um, but, uh, but I'll say that the one I've watched most recently that I recommend is The uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. It is hilarious. It really? is super funny. Yeah, it's um, it's about a woman whose husband decides that he's going to leave her in the 1950s. And in doing so, you know, she's obviously kind of distraught. Um, she decides she's going to take up a career in stand-up comedy. Wow. All right. Like I'm not I'm not gonna give away like the, the plot points that gets her to that point, but it's fantastic. Um and interestingly enough, my wife's maiden name was Maisel, so it that's what initially attracted us to watch the first the pilot. Absolutely hilarious. 
All right, good, good, good one. It's time for me to make one. Uh, oh, sorry, we haven't done this yet. Yeah, fine, go ahead. I was going to make one recommendation if I could. If there's one show you guys need to watch this uh, year, can I recommend Deutschland 83 if you've not seen it? It's uh, uh, it's in German with English subtitles, and it's uh, it's only about eight episodes. It's about uh, it's set in 1983. And it's about an East German army person who gets uh, turned into a spy in West Germany. It's absolutely brilliant. Really. So those English subtitles are those like UK English or American English subtitles? Um. I'm sure you could cope, mate. In the, in the words, in the words sure of the great Winston Churchill, we are a common people separated by a common language. I'm sure you could muddle along gold beans. All right, Melissa, what are you on right now? What's your show? So other than college football, what I've been watching is uh, this next Netflix series called Dark, and I'm on episode seven of that, but it kind of messes with um, time and our perception of it. And um, it has this really cool thing. It's set in Germany, but it's in English. Um, obviously, there's probably a German version because uh, the dub is is nice, but not quite matching with the actors. But it's really, really good so far. Kind of weird. Fun. All right. So uh, because we are the Big Data Beard, uh, we like to kind of probe our guests uh, if you have a bearded idol. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Extra points if you choose Kyle, because uh, he has grown a majestic beard these days. Uh, so, Melissa, who is your uh, your bearded idol, your favorite bearded person from history, living or dead? It better be me, Melissa. Oh, God, you guys. <laughs> well, you know, uh, shout out to my guy from Illinois, Lincoln. You know, I've, I've kind of got to do that, but... Um, but also, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the now. And I got to say, Corey, Josh, you know, I love you guys. Way to pander to the that. audience. I like it. That's good. I, I could tell that your Amazon look has really changed you already. Josh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I know obviously you are a fan of your own beard, but. Uh, uh, yeah, my, my, my beard just is to make my face look less fat. So it's not really glorious. Um good color there um i i I think i'd have to say uh and i'd have to check to see if he still has the beard but colin mcnamara has has typically had like the best beard i've always been a big fan of his uh his beard sweet pete how about you are beards a thing in england still no yeah they haven't caught on yeah we there's quite a few yeah i mean you never saw that many blokes with beards sort of 10 well 10 15 years ago but you see quite a few now. I've personally, I'm sporting a beard right now. Um, Strong. We we approve. So I, it's a difficult question to answer, though, the one you've you've posed. Can I go for the? What's the CIA guy in Homeland? Can I have him? Oh, Saul. Saul, yes. Yeah. Saul. Yeah. yeah, you can have. That's uh, uh, the same actor as Inigo Montoya. Yeah. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. That guy. Well played. Robert, have you shaved, or are you 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 rocking a holiday beard right now? No, it's a uh, it's it's back to it's you know about a weekend growth. Ugh, would you just grow a beard already? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like it's disappointing. Like we honestly, like we we thought about making it a requirement, but uh, we just tried to shame him into it, and that hasn't worked. So we'll still figure out some way. Oh, Josh had a pretty Stand good strong, idea. Kyle. Stand strong, Kyle. Stand strong. Kyle's I, good. Kyle's got a strong beard. I it's Rob that we're worried about. 
And Rob, oh. Josh just said it. The beard makes your face look not fat. Like that's a great oh. thing for me. And Either, you and, can't do that to my face. It would just make it somehow look fatter, probably. Oh God! Now I'm gonna have to grow a beard, y'all. <laughs> challenge. Not a challenge. No. I'm do it. <laughs> Oh, this is super fun hanging out with Peter's you. got a beard too, though. Yeah, he, so he said he's rocking a beard these days. That's good. Everybody's doing it. Actually, I got I got to ask this really uncomfortable question by a coworker. When after the merger happened, this dude that I started working with, and I don't name names to protect the guilty, the guilty and ridiculous. Ridiculous. He asked me the question. He goes, <laughs> he goes, hey man, I uh, you know, I checked you out on uh, LinkedIn and uh, saw you have giant beard, and I just had to ask, are you uh? Are you a hipster or are you just one of those conservative Southerners that's uh, rocking the beards these days? Oh. Oh, my Lord. Bless his soul. Those are the only people that can grow beards, apparently. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of, I kind of, I was totally struck. You're in a box. I was like, wow. Like, if that, if that's the serial, like the binary answer. Yeah. I, that's I'm where screwed. you just, that's where you just turn to him, like, no, I'm clearly a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I was like I'm I'm a little bit of both I guess like I don't know I'm somewhere in the middle like I can chop wood I make my own beef tallow but I you know have uh, <laughs> I like just conservative politics <laughs> yeah I defy convention yeah was, <laughs> I'm a lumberjack although I will say it's like and I'm kidding I was at, I was at my I was at my church the other day on last Sunday and I was looking around and I went man he might be right like. <laughs> Every dude in there had a, a pretty strong beard. That's <laughs> uh, pretty funny. All right. Well, this is fun. Uh, where? Uh, what's the best place to find Speaking Detective? You guys all podcast? Are you blogging? Are you on the Twitter? How do we find you, bro? I'm at Peter Smallbone on the Twitters. Um, or you can go to speakingintech.com for any of us. Um, and you'll find us there. All right. Uh, any plugs we need to do? Speaking of tech, sponsored by anyone in particular? Uh, that would imply that we know we are free and independent, and <laughs> at speaking in tech on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Right. I mean, we're not sponsored by anyone because that would imply a level of quality would be required to. Uh... <laughs> well, that's why I never got my blog sponsored because then I have felt obligated to produce something valuable. Mm. Yeah, don't do that. We're not sponsored. Well, I shouldn't say that we are sponsored, but by sponsored, I mean. Somebody sent us some swag, which is pretty great. Uh, so we're so we're, going, we're going on this ski trip. This is this is fun. So we're going on this ski trip to Tahoe, as I was telling you guys and gals before. We we're headed out. We're going to do some skiing. We're going to do some interviews with some of the like the VP of analytics and customer experience and the CIO from a couple of different mountains. Do some fun stuff. Um, and so I was talking about that, and then I got this email from a dude within Dell who was like, "Hey, I don't know if you know this, but like we have there's a guy within Dell who has his own company." um that is right up your alley you should connect with him mm -hmm. i was like okay what, what in the world it was on and and apparently his product was on shark tank and like got funded i don't know the full details i haven't looked it up yet but it's called um beard ski <laughs> and it's a face it's a face warmer like a face mask that that Stop. covers it, it, but it's like in it's like full-on beard oh my god and so he sent me he sent me a variety pack i've got like eight of these beard skis so for those of you who don't have beards we'll be providing uh it's a great way to have a beard while you're on the mountain we're going to give them away as gifts to the guys and gals that we interview as part of the shows up there but we're going to be rocking our beard skis and if, and if you uh, want to somewhere the, uh, if you want to up there it's kind of dual purpose isn't it brilliant 
Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's somewhere not... out there though. There's a shark that just got left over. <laughs> hey. Oh my! So, so that and uh, we are uh, we're supporting the uh, O'Reilly conferences focused on big data. Obviously, we're a little bit more kind of pointed. We kind of stay really focused on big data, kind of the trends towards ML and AI and all that stuff, IoT. But uh, anyways, we're, we're big supporters of our O'Reilly conference, and we're actually giving away passes to every single Strata Data, uh, Strata AI conference, and Strata Open Source conference this year. Uh, so a few weeks before each of the episodes, or before each of those conferences, folks can tune in and participate in a little, uh, a little raffle of sorts to get uh, passes for one of those uh, pretty fun shows. So this has been fun. Speaking in tech and Big Data Beard podcast came together for a little predictions on uh, talk about 2017, how fun it was, and what's going to suck in 2018. Everything. The answer is everything. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. now I need to drink. Oh, yeah. We really missed the opportunity not to do this like a uh, late night. Actually, for Peter, Peter, I guess we caught you after the bar, and you probably are completely ripped. So we're really glad we had the holiday party for you. <laughs> You're welcome. I was actually, um, I was actually in. I might mention this already. I was, I was in bed when I got the call. <laughs> we were recording. So I've already, I've already brushed my teeth. So I'm afraid I haven't been drinking while I've been doing this, which is uh, quite atypical. Oh, that's too bad. Well, if I told you that it's, it's, we started the show around 3 p.m. and I had already been in bed. Also, uh, nice. I'd be disappointed. All right, fools. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank hey, you much. thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Big Data Beard Podcast. As a thank you for listening to our show, we'd like to offer you a chance to win a free pass to Strata Conference in San Jose, March 6th through the 8th of 2018. To enter, all you need to do is either subscribe to our mailing list at bigdatabeard.com forward slash follow, or submit a review in iTunes rating our podcast. Or you can do both and be entered for two chances to win. We will hold a random drawing in early January and make the announcement of the winner by January 31st. And don't forget, you can get a 20% discount to attend any of O'Reilly's Strata Data or AI conferences globally. Simply use the link in our show notes or promo code PCBEARD at checkout. And tune in to future episodes for chances to win free passes to these awesome conferences. Thanks for listening, and let that beard grow.